We all know what it's like to be disappointed, right? Sorry to start with such a cheery opening statement, but you know it's true. We all know what it's like to be disappointed. We're, we're disappointed by our sports teams, right? Some of us disappointed with them more often than others, but we uh, know what that's like. We know what it's like to be disappointed by our boss or by our coworkers or by our employees. Um, we know what it's like to be disappointed with life, right? Life can be disappointing Sometime anybody disappointed you didn't win the $2 billion Powerball earlier in the week? Yeah, I see those hands. Uh, sure. Um, disappointment uh, comes with, with being alive, unfortunately. We, we teach our kids, you got to know how to handle disappointment, right? We, we teach our kids, you, you know, everything in life is not going to work out for you. Everything in life isn't fair. It, Everything in life doesn't go your way. You have to learn what it's like to handle disappointment. Maybe you were disappointed with the election this week. Um, surely that wasn't the first time you've been disappointed in politics. Uh, if it was, get used to it. You'll be disappointed a lot if you follow politics. Yeah, all of these things in life uh, are ways that you and I can be uh, disappointed. Now, some disappointments we have some control over. Like if we are disappointed in some things, we can change the circumstances. If there's no ice cream in the freezer, I'm disappointed with that, right? This time of year, if there are no Little Debbie Christmas tree cakes in the pantry, I'm disappointed with that. Thank you. But those are disappointments I can do something about. I can go to the store and get ice cream, right? I can go to the store and get Little Debbie Christmas tree cakes. I have been told I can go to the store and get Little Debbie Christmas tree cake ice cream now. So life is wonderful for me. <laughs> some, some disappointments you can do something about. I'm disappointed. I'm going to change that. Disappointment with people is a little trickier. Right, especially people you're close to, people you like, uh, maybe people you look up to, maybe people you've been friends with for a long time. When you're dis disappointed with another person, that's not as easy to fix. That's not running out and buying some ice cream. Uh, that that's a little trickier to handle. Now, I, what I want to do is not so much talk about disappointment. I want to I move upstream from disappointment because often what causes disappointment in us are our expectations, right? We have expectations that a relationship is going to go a certain way, and when it doesn't go that way, that leads to disappointment. We, we have expectations about how we're going to be as friends, and when something comes along and there's kind of a hiccup with that, we, we get disappointed. Now, we don't write out these expectations. When you make a new friend, you don't bring a contract along and say, okay, here are the 15 things I expect of you, if you'll sign and date it at the bottom. It's not formalized. You just know it. You know what you expect in other people. And if you don't know it, uh, just in general, you know it when they violate your expectations. When somebody lets you down, that's when you know, yeah, that's one that's on my list. That's an expectation that I have. Now, we don't, we don't tell them those expectations. They should just know it, right? You should I shouldn't have to tell you. You should know. Husbands, has your wife ever said anything like that to you? I shouldn't have to tell you what you did wrong. Wives, you have to tell us because we don't have a clue, right? That's our sweet spot. 
clueless is our sweet spot. And so you have to be very specific with husbands, even when they've done something that violated your expectations of them. Uh, I, I contend that the motto for all husbands is, mm. right? It's like, we don't know. We don't know. We need some help. When you're in a relationship, marriage or friendship, um, we know when somebody lets us down. They did not meet our expectations. They don't always know it, but we know it. The problem is sometimes we come into relationships or over time we develop unrealistic expectations of how that relationship's going to go. We're talking about relational vampires. What are, the, what are the things that suck the life out of you and out of your relationships and out of your friendships and out of your, connect, uh, your connections? And I would say, and I wasn't really planning to go this direction today, but somehow I landed here, so you just got to endure it. Um, one of the things that can do that is when we come into a relationship or we've developed unrealistic expectations. There's no way we can cover all of them. I probably don't even know all of them. You probably could come up with some unrealistic expectations that I can't come up with, but I want to cover some unrealistic expectations for a relationship. And here's probably the biggest one, like here's the big umbrella one when it comes to unrealistic expectations. It's this. People cannot meet all of the needs in your life. Like this is an expectation we need to pull back on. People, any person, pick any person, the person you're the closest to, the person you've known the longest. There is no human on earth that can meet all of the needs in your heart, your emotional needs, your spiritual needs, your psychological needs, your, your physical needs. There is not another person that can fill in all of those gaps for you. And so you are setting yourself up for disappointment if you expect that, right? One of the reasons is because we're all needy. We all have those gaps in our life. So none of us are suited to be the answer to someone else's needs in its entirety. We're all needy. And I do not say this to get a laugh. I'm not trying to be funny. There are some people who are needier, more needy than other people. But, but we all come into relationship with needs. All of us do. And if I'm expecting you to meet every one of mine, I am going to be disappointed because you are not made that way. You are not created in such a way that you can meet all of my needs. As a matter of fact, some of the needs that you have, some of the needs that you have can only be met in Jesus. And the reason you have them is they're supposed to draw you towards him. That you're supposed to realize in this world, my heart can't be satisfied by any person or anything other than Jesus. He is sufficient. He, he is fulfilling. He is Savior. He is Messiah. I can trust him in a way that I can't trust any other person. And to the degree that you and I are trying to meet our needs through other people, we're missing the point that Jesus is the one who ultimately satisfies us. Another person can't do that for you. Another, another person can't do what Jesus does for you. Another person can't be Jesus for you. Only Jesus can be Jesus for you. Only Jesus can be that ultimate fulfillment and satisfaction in the deepest parts of your needs and your emotions, and you are setting yourself up for uh, disappointment 
if you look for it in somebody else, even your spouse. Look, your spouse was not created to 100% meet all of your needs. They can't do that. They're not capable. They, they can't bear the weight of that responsibility in your life, right? The movie Jerry Maguire actually was wrong, right? Nobody completes us. There is no one that completes every missing part of our life other than Jesus. Now, friends, spouses, they can be like Jesus. They can reflect Jesus. Hopefully, they live out the character of Jesus. And in doing that, the, the relationship with them is fulfilling. That They do meet some needs, Right? They do answer some of those questions in our heart. But if you're looking to another person in marriage, in a friendship, in a relationship to meet all of your needs, you are always going to be disappointed because nobody can be Jesus to you but Jesus. Nobody can be the Holy Spirit to you but the Holy Spirit. And, by the way, you can't be Jesus to anybody else either. Like some of us are rescuers. Like we like to step in and rescue people. And we like that feeling that it does for us and because we have a compassionate heart it's not all selfish i don't mean to imply that some of us are rescuers and so we see ourselves as savior i'm going to step in here and i'm going to save somebody we should step into hard places we just have to be careful that we don't think i'm the savior here you're not you're not anybody's jesus you're not anybody's holy spirit that's jesus job and to the degree that we think we can meet everybody's needs or somebody else can meet all of our needs, we're going to be disappointed. Another side of that is this idea. You cannot meet all the expectations others have of you. Like not only can another person meet all of your needs, not only is that not true, but you also won't be able to fulfill all of the expectations that other people have of you. Have you lived long enough to realize that you can't make everybody happy? Have you lived long enough to realize that no matter how hard you try, you're not going to meet everybody's expectation for you? You're not going to be able to do everything that everybody wants you to do. Some of us have tried. Maybe you're still trying. Maybe you're a pleaser. Right? Maybe, maybe you don't like conflict, you try to resolve things, and so you try to meet everybody's expectation, and one day you're going to figure out you can't. You can't meet everybody's expectation. Think about this. Jesus did not meet everybody's expectation when he was on earth. He didn't meet everybody's expectation. didn't even try. didn't try to meet everybody's expectation. There were times the disciples came to him with expectations. Jesus, this is what we want. And Jesus must have rolled his eyes like multiple times. Like, nope, I'm not going to meet that expectation. No, I'm not going to try to fulfill that. He would say things like, um, yeah, that's not what my kingdom's about. That's not what my kingdom's about. Now, I don't recommend you use that verbatim when somebody asks you to do something for them. But that idea, like this is not what I'm called to do. This is not why I'm... I, I'm not able to meet that need. I'm not able to do that. That's not what God has called me to do. You, you cannot meet all of the expectations that other people have for you. Now, I want to talk about this unrealistic expectation or, or the way that relationships change through the lens of a New Testament friendship. And some of you are familiar with this friendship. Some of you, maybe the first time you've heard about this. 
In the New Testament, there's, there's these two guys, big players in the New Testament. Paul is one of them. Maybe you've heard that name. Barnabas is the other. They're, they're more than friends, okay, more than friends. Uh, not only are they friends, but they went on missionary journeys together. They planted churches together. They, they uh, discipled pastors and church leaders together. They, they, uh, they faced attacks together. They went into cities. Not everybody liked them, and they had each other through that. So they saw a lot of stuff. But their relationship begins in a bit of an unusual way. If you know the uh, kind of the backstory of Paul, he was originally called Saul, and he persecuted Christians in the church. Like everywhere he went, he wanted to destroy the church. Uh, he wanted to kill as many Christians as possible. If he couldn't kill them, he wanted to throw them in jail. He's present at the stoning of Stephen, the first martyr. So this is Saul. Then he meets Jesus. His life is radically changed. He becomes a follower of Christ. But most of the people in the church didn't trust him. They're like, yeah, but we know who he was. Some of them probably were at the stoning of Stephen, and they knew that guy was on the wrong side of that. Right. So they knew what he was like, and as a result, nobody wanted to invite Paul into their circle. Here's the, uh, the verse, Acts 9, 26. When Paul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus... He had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Everybody's afraid of Paul. And Barnabas steps forward and vouches for him. He says, no, this is real. I believe him. I trust him. As a matter of fact, Barnabas says, I trust him enough that I'll go on this journey with him. Like, I don't mind being with him. I don't mind traveling around with him. I know that he is sincere. And you can imagine what that did to their relationship, right? How it cemented our loyalty to one another, our commitment to one another. This was not a casual relationship. Like they were deep, committed, loyal friends. They take off on this missionary journey. Acts 13 tells us from Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. Now this is kind of the, the crux of this disagreement that they're going to have. John, also called John Mark, sometimes just called Mark. It's very confusing. They're all the same person. John Mark, for, for reasons we don't know, leaves the missionary journey. That's all Luke tells us. doesn't tell us why. He doesn't give any description. Luke just says, John Mark left. And people have tried to come up with a reason, like they've tried to fill in the blanks, and Luke said, I'm not going to fill in the blanks. Right? He just left. That's what you need to know. He just left, and Paul and Barnabas and the others, they continued on their journey. Now, a few years later, Paul decides that he's going to go on another missionary journey. And so he talks to Barnabas about going on this other journey. This is Acts 15, verse 36. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, but Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. 
They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So let's, let's kind of dig into this a little bit. I, I don't, I'm not willing to say that Barnabas and Paul had unrealistic expectations of their relationship, but I do think what happened in their relationship is a, is a good lens to look at this question. For, for example... An unrealistic expectation we sometimes have in our relationships is that the relationship will always stay the same. It'll always be the way it is. I'll always be the same. You'll always be the same. The relationship will always be the same. Paul and Barnabas go on this tremendous missionary journey. It was fantastic. It was a wonderful success. A little while later, Paul says, hey, let's do it again. Get the band back together, life on repeat. Let's just do the same thing. Everything was great the first time. We're going to do it just the same way the second time. The problem is Barnabas and Paul's life had changed a little bit. What, what was important to Paul and Barnabas were slightly different. They had had some different experiences. Their hearts had been touched by some different issues and by some different People, healthy relationships allow for the growth and the change of the other person. It allows for the fact that you and I aren't the exact same person. You and I don't have the exact same experiences. We are going to change, and that means the relationship is going to change. As we get older, things are going to change. And that's not good or bad. That's just life. That's just the way things are. Things change over time. Uh, the, the Pixar movie franchise Toy Story made like a bazillion dollars playing on our separation anxiety and also playing on the way life starts to change over time, right? Hopefully... None of your friends are going to put you in a box and donate you to somebody else. But it, that was sort of the thing. It's, it's like you get to this point and things change. Things are different. We don't always allow for that in each other's lives. Right? We, we, we don't always cheer and encourage the change that's happening in somebody's life. But it's going to happen whether we encourage it or not. Maybe the... One of those seasons that's kind of the clearest example of things have changed is that college, young adult, into your mid to late 20s change. You remember that? You think back that far? Remember that? Some of you aren't there yet. Some of you are right in the middle of that. So college, 20, 21, 22, you're like, hey, it's Friday at 4 o'clock. Let's drive two states away because there's a concert that starts at midnight, and then we'll just drive back. We don't need a hotel. We'll turn around. We'll drive right back. And then a few years later, one of the friends calls everybody and says, hey, there's a concert that's like two states away. Let's go do it. And one of them says, like, yeah, I'm married. I have a two-year-old now. Like, things have changed. Life is different. Circumstances are different. That, that's what happens to us. It's not good or bad. It's life. We're in a different place. You're in a different place. How do we account for that in our relationship? Because if we keep demanding that things stay the same, our relationship is going to have a difficult time. We're going to struggle. Another unrealistic expectation in relationships, we will never disagree. Like we'll never have a difference of opinion. We grew up in the same place. 
We grew up the same kind of parents. We had all the same beliefs. We did all the things the same way. We will never disagree. We will always agree with one another 100%. And, you know, like somebody has said, I think I've quoted, if, if you always have the exact same opinion, like one of you is not needed. Right? If you're exactly the same, then maybe we don't need both of you. Right? People are different. And in healthy relationships, we, we allow the other person to have a difference of opinion. Can you be friends with someone who disagrees with you on something? Can you be friends with someone who votes differently than you do? Can you be friends with someone who views a social issue differently than you do from a different perspective, has a different lens? Somebody who says, yeah, but this is my experience, and so this is why I come at it from this view, even though you come at it from that view. That's what healthy relationships look like. It allows for the fact that we don't see everything exactly the same. And when we do, when we insist that in our relationship we always agree, usually what we're saying is, I expect you to always agree with my opinion, right? Isn't that what we're saying? I don't think we should ever disagree. I think you should always have my opinion. That's, we don't say that out loud, but that's really what's happening. We don't allow each other to see things differently or to have a different perspective. Paul and Barnabas had a disagreement. Two guys that started out with this loyal, committed relationship. They had done great things for the kingdom of God. They went on a missionary journey. Churches were planted. People came to know Jesus. Pastors were put over churches. Right? This incredible thing happens, and then there was a disagreement. It wasn't a small disagreement. Luke says they had such a sharp disagreement, they parted company. Eugene Peterson paraphrases it in the message like this. Tempers flared, and they ended up going their separate ways. People who write commentaries on that passage, they say it was kind of a violent deal, not fist violent, but, I mean, they got, they got angry with each other. There was an explosive, there was a volatile moment in their relationship. There was a, a flashpoint, and if it could happen to Paul and Barnabas, it can happen in our relationships. We can have disagreements. The question is, are we mature enough? Do we, do we love each other enough to, to stay in relationship even if we disagree? Similar. Similar uh, uh, unrealistic expectation. We will always have the same priorities. We'll always have the same priorities. We'll always look at life. And we'll have the same number one, we'll have the same number ten. Your life's always going to be focused on the things that my life's focused on. That's unrealistic. As we grow, as we change, as our family changes, it's unrealistic to think that we will always have exactly the same priorities. Paul and Barnabas in, in Acts chapter 15, Paul's priority is the mission. Paul's whole focus is we got to plant more churches. We got to reach more people. We got to make sure the Gentiles know the gospel and that they are welcome into the family of God. We got to raise up some pastors. We got to disciple those pastors. We got to write some letters to these churches. Like he is zeroed in on the mission. Barnabas, apparently, loves the mission, has been a part of the mission, but at this particular point, 
Barnabas focuses on John Mark. And Barnabas is thinking, if we don't give some time to this guy, we may lose him. Like he may not recover from this thing that he did when he left the missionary journey. He, he may never be the leader that we think that he could be. Somebody's got to step into his life and encourage him. Somebody's got to reach out to him. Somebody's got to be there for him. Now, we, we learn in Colossians that Barnabas and John Mark are actually cousins. So this is probably one of the reasons Barnabas feels this priority towards John Mark. In the same way that you feel certain priority towards your family. In a, in a way that other people don't. Other people love your family. Uh, other people are happy that you got a family. But you feel a sense of loyalty and obligation to your family that people outside your family don't. This is what Barnabas is wrestling with. It's like, yeah, but it's my cousin. And I, I feel like I need to spend time with him. Their priorities had shifted. Maybe not in a good, bad way. They just looked at things a little bit Differently, And if you and I want to have good, strong, healthy, encouraging, long-term relationships, we're going to have to allow for the fact that as we go through life, our priorities shift a little bit. Again, not good, not bad. They just shift. Where we are in life shifts a little bit. And we have to honor each other enough to say, hey, I know what season you're in right now, and I'm okay with that. I want to encourage that in you. I, I want you to know that I celebrate this season in your life and the priority that you have. So here's Paul, focused on the mission. Here's Bar Barnabas, focus on family member, focus on John Mark. The question ultimately then is, well, who's right? right? In this situation where there's a violent uh, conflict, who's right? Paul focused on the mission. Barnabas focused on John Mark, and the answer is probably, well, they're both right. Because that's where they were individually. Paul, all about the mission, laser focused. Barnabas, compassionate heart, which we know that's who Barnabas is anyway, right? We know Barnabas is an encourager. He's compassionate. Paul had been the recipient of his empathy a couple years ago. Paul had been the recipient of Barnabas's loyalty a couple of years ago. That's why he loved Barnabas so much. It's just that now that empathy is turned toward John Mark. Right? Their, their focus is on different... That, that doesn't mean one of them was right and one of them is wrong. That means their eyes are just on different things right now. Here's a question we can ask from time to time in relationships, especially as they shift and as changes happen and as priorities maybe get a little turned a different direction. Can I allow God to do something in you that's different from what he's doing in me? Can, am I mature enough to do that? Can I allow God to do something in you that's different from what he's doing in me? Can I celebrate that God's leading you towards this area, but God's leading me towards that area, and, and you're not wrong, and I'm not wrong. God just has our hearts in a little bit different places, and I want to pray for you, and I want to encourage you, and I want to cheer for you, but I'm not called to do what you're doing. God's got me over here. Can, can, can we give each other the freedom and the grace to to choose the priority that God is leading in us. And can we be secure enough in how God is leading us 
that we're not always chasing after what somebody else is doing. See, that's a problem for some of us. Like, I think God's calling me to do this, but everybody else is doing that, so maybe I need to run over there. Can I be secure in how God's leading me so that I can say to you, I appreciate what you're doing. I'm, I'm cheering for what you're doing. God's got me here right now, and I want to pursue that, and I want you to pray for me as well. Now, question. What if we have someone in our life who has unrealistic expectations of us? And again, we haven't covered all of them. Like there's a whole bigger laundry list we didn't get to. How do we respond when we're in a relationship and maybe from the beginning or maybe over time they've developed unrealistic expectations of our relationship or of us and I've only come up with one thing. I wish I'd come up with five. I wish I had a three-step process. I don't. There may be three steps. This is the one that this is the one that I'm going to say this morning. All right. When someone has unrealistic expectations about their relationship to us, we got to clarify the expectations at some point. Like we can kind of let it go for a while, but but at some point, if we want this relationship to last, it, if if we want to stay connected to this person either because we feel like we're supposed to minister to them or because we love being in relationship with them, we have to have a clarifying conversation. And that's not fun most of the time. And that's not easy most of the time. But where there are unrealistic expectations, you and I have to sit down and say, look, I love you. I love our friendship. I want our friendship to continue. I cannot talk to you for 30 minutes every day on the phone. I can't do that. I won't always respond immediately to your text. The priority that God has for me is this over here, and I celebrate what you're doing. Again, that's not always a fun conversation, but sometimes we just have to say, look, this is what I can give right now. This is, this is our relationship right now, and I care about you, and I love you, and I want our relationship to continue, but we got to clarify a couple of things. So, back to Paul and Barnabas. How did all of that work out? How did this, there was a moment of disagreement, they go their separate ways, Paul chooses the mission, Barnabas chooses John Mark, how did it work out for each of them? Well, for Paul, Paul goes on a second missionary journey, Churches are planted, churches are encouraged, pastors are raised up. Paul's writing letters of the New Testament back to these churches. They're seeing, they're seeing God perform miracles. God shows up and does amazing things because Paul said, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And, John, uh, and, and Barnabas, because of Barnabas' investment in John Mark, Mark eventually writes the Gospel of Mark. I, I mean, if you... If you open your Bible to the Gospel of Mark, some people think it's the first gospel that was written, and all the others kind of leaned on that one for their information. The reason you have the Gospel of Mark in your Bible is because there was a Barnabas who said, I got to spend time with this guy because I don't want to lose him. I got to encourage this guy because I see potential in him. I think God wants to use him. Yeah. It both worked. It, it worked out okay in both directions, as they pursued what God was calling them to do. Now, I think, 
we talk to Paul and Barnabas when we get to heaven. If you have a sit-down with them, I think Paul and Barnabas are going to say, yeah, I, we probably should have handled that better, like that whole tempers flared thing. Like we, we probably said some things we shouldn't have said. I wish that hadn't happened. I wish we would just had a really good conversation about it, and I really wish Luke wouldn't have put that in his book, but he did, and we're kind of mad at him about that. But I wish we would have handled that thing better, but God was gracious to us. And God blessed our directions. And then in the end, these three men come back together and reconnect. Like Paul, We don't know when it happened. Paul and Barnabas, they have a sit down. They kind of apologize. They talk it through. And then Paul and Barnabas are off doing ministry again. Paul's writing 2 Timothy. It's his last letter. He knows he's going to be executed soon. And part of what... Paul writes in 2 Timothy, he's, he's saying to Timothy, hey, I need you to bring me some things. Like, I need a blanket, it's cold, bring, bring me the parchments uh, so that I have them. And then he says, and bring Mark with you because he's valuable for ministry. It was this moment, there was this disagreement, and then there was this reconnection, which is what healthy relationships do, which is how God works and healthy relationships. Last two things. It's never too late to forgive someone that let you down. Right? It's never too late. If you're looking back, somebody let you down, somebody disappointed you, somebody didn't meet your expectations, right? it's never too late to look back on that and say, probably should have handled it better on my end. May have said some things I shouldn't have said. But I'm going to pick up the phone, I'm going to call them. We're going to have coffee. I don't know if our relationship will be what it was. I, I don't know how that will work out. It, it, it's never too late to forgive someone who let you down. But, because the reality most of the time is they probably have a story that you don't know everything about. You know, a, probably a part of that conflict, you, you don't even know what's on the other side of that. You don't know, you may not know everything that was happening in them, it's never too late to forgive someone that let you down. And, and lastly, it's never too late to reconnect. It's never too late to reconnect. It's, it's never too late to, to mend a relationship, to mend a bridge. You know, I, I've said all throughout the series, we, we are so quick to cut people out these days. We're so quick to ghost. We're, we're so quick to say, well, I'm never talking to them again. We see these examples again in Old Testament and New Testament. You see these examples of people who experienced great disagreement, sometimes conflict, and yet over time, God brings their hearts back together. And if God's putting somebody on your mind right now, that might be the person for you that you need to reconnect with. The church, the body of Christ, should be one of the easiest places for that to happen, shouldn't it? Like the body of Christ should be one of the easiest places for us to build deep and meaningful relationships. And yeah, maybe occasionally disagree about something, but stay in relationship. Maybe even have conflict, but then come back later and say, I was, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I was wrong. You forgive me. I mean, like the gospel demonstrates forgiveness. Beginning to end, grace. Beginning to end. This should be the environment where relationships are the most fruitful and lasting and sustainable 
And yet, the church is not always that place, is it? The church is not always that place. Some of you have church hurt in your, in your, in your wake, right? As, as I do. Like some, some of you have brokenness and, and maybe anger. We are called to cherish one another and love one another and care for one another. And that doesn't mean we always agree. And that doesn't mean we always come at issues from the exact same place. That does mean that we are supposed to fight for our relationship, not in our relationship. We're supposed to fight for unity and love and compassion and friendship. I think sometimes we struggle with that because what we do at church is so important, right? You're here because you think this is really important. You're here because you think what we talk about in this room is really important. You think there is an eternity and that people do need Jesus and that there is a heaven to be gained and a, and a, a hell that you want to run away from. You think that God has told us how we should live and what is right and what is wrong. And those are all wonderful things. My perspective is that in the church, because we talk about such important things, we're also very quick to get defensive with one another. We're very quick to say, if you don't agree with me about everything, then we got a problem. If you don't agree with everything I think about the Bible then that's a slippery slope to some terrible place that we're all going to end up if we start thinking that way. Right? We, get, we get very defensive with one another sometimes because what we talk about is so important. But just like what we talk about is so important, just like the principles are so important, just like the Bible's so important, we're important too. Our relationship to one another is important too. The way we love one another, the way we forgive one another, the way we endure with one another through difficult times is an expression of what Jesus is doing in us. And so I will remind you again, as I have throughout this series, don't just run away from relationship when things get hard. Don't just run away from connection when somebody doesn't see it the same way that you see it. Relationship is a beautiful gift from God, but it takes some work. God, I pray that you would help us to demonstrate, to live out not perfect relationships, not flawless relationships. Help us to live out committed relationships that we are committed to one another, whether we see everything exactly the same way or not, whether we believe exactly the same thing about every little tenet or not, whether we have the occasional disagreement and conflict, that we would be committed to one another as, as followers of Christ, as human beings, that we would honor one another that we would experience the deep joy and goodness of being in community and being in relationship. Work in us. Let your Holy Spirit change us and draw us together and deepen our connections.
I pray it in Christ's name. Amen.